to the 66th episode of the podcast F4. We're calling it that since it's easier to say than food and frightening film fanatics. Before we get started, our usual disclaimer, turn back now, heavy spoilers ahead if you haven't seen these movies. Since we're almost to the 4th of July, it should come as no surprise that this week I'm reviewing the Jaws franchise. There are four movies total in the series. The first one, Jaws from 1975, is based on a 1974 book by the same name by Peter Benchley, directed by Steven Spielberg, produced by Richard Zanuck for Universal Studios, written by uh, Peter Benchley and Carl Gotib, starring Roy Schneider, Richard Dreyfuss, Robert Shaw, and Lorraine Gray. Music by John Williams. The second movie is from 1978, so three years later, that's Jaws 2, directed by Jeanette Schwark, and I probably mispronounced his name, but it's S-Z-W-A-R-C. Steven Spielberg did not return. Produced again by Richard Zanuck and David Brown, and written again by Carl Gotib and Howard Zackler, starring again Roy Schneider, Lorraine Gray, and some other people. Music is again by John Williams. The third movie is Jaws 3D from 1983, so five years later, directed by Joe Alvez, produced by Rupert Hiddick, written again by Carl Hodiv, and this time he is joined by Richard Matheson, and of course you'll remember him as the writer of the novel I Am Legend and then also the screenplays. That three big movies were based on, of course, there's I Am Legend with Will Smith and The Omega Man with um, Charlton Heston and The Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price. He also wrote um, The Night Stalker, which we talked about previously on this podcast, Trilogy of Terror, and a bunch of Twilight Zone episodes. Jaws 3D stars Dennis Quaid, Bess Armstrong, Simon McCorkendall, and Lou Gossett Jr., music by Alan Parker. And the last movie is called Jaws the Revenge, and that's from 1987, so four years later, directed and produced by Joseph Sargent, written by Michael DeGuzman, starring again Lorraine Gray, Joining her is Mario Van Peebles, Karen Young, and Michael Caine. Music by Michael Smith. I'm sorry, Michael Small. Where to find these movies? All four movies are currently available on HBO, and they're also available on Amazon Prime, iTunes, Google Play, or Vudu for $4 each. None are currently available on Shudder or Tubi. Rotten Tomatoes scores. The first Jaws, critics gave it a 98, audiences gave it a 90, and that is very high, um, especially for a movie from the 1970s. Jaws 2, critics gave it a 60, audiences gave it a 38. Jaws 3, critics gave it a 10, audiences gave it a 17. And lastly, Jaws 4, Jaws the Revenge, critics gave it a 0 with 35 reporting, and audiences gave it a 15%. So that's about as low as you can go. Plot. I'll first uh, just read the IMDb synopsis and then just talk about the plot a little. So the first Jaws movie, IMDb says, 
When a killer shark unleashes chaos on a beach community, it's up to a local sheriff, a marine biologist, and an old seafarer to hunt the beast down. The small island of Amity, New York, not to be confused with Amityville, as in the Amityville Horror, also in New York, is preparing for the July the 4th tourist onslaught. A girl's body washes up on shore, and Police Chief Brody, played by Roy Schneider, knows they have a problem. He wants to close the beach immediately, but the local business leaders say no because it's bad for business. So the shark keeps on chomping on people, and then Brody, Matt Hooper, played by Richard Dreyfus, who's a marine biologist, and an old sea dog and professional shark hunter named Quint, played by Robert Shaw, go after the shark. But he is not that easy to kill. He destroys the boat. He kills Quint. And then Brody, um, there are some air tanks from scuba diving, um, for scuba diving that end up in the shark's mouth. And when Brody is not able to kill him any other way, he shoots the air tanks in the shark's mouth and blows him up. Then Brody and Hooper paddle away with what's left of the boat, which isn't much. So pretty straightforward plot. Jaws 2, IMDb says, Police Chief Brody must protect the citizens of Amity after a second monstrous shark begins terrorizing the waters. We again follow Martin and Ellen Brody. This time Brody has been fired uh, as he tried to warn the town leaders that a new shark was a threat. Since they blew up the last one, the other one the last time around. Martin and Ellen's two sons, Mike and Sean, sneak out into the water and they're young kids and then they are attacked by, yep, another shark. And so the shark eats several people and also chomps on a helicopter, which is really, really funny. Um, and then Brody's frantically trying to get to his kids. The shark is eventually killed by Brody when he tricks him into chomping on an electrical cable. So all the members of the Brody family survive, again, this movie. Next up. Jaws 3D, IMDb says, a giant 35-foot shark becomes trapped in a SeaWorld theme park and it's up to the sons of Police Chief Brody to rescue everyone. This time, Dennis Quaid plays Mike Brody, who's all grown up at this point. So as we said, a shark infiltrates SeaWorld and traps a bunch of people in an underground tunnel. And Brody and his girlfriend, played by Bess Armstrong, have to try to rescue them. And the show is in 3D, and 3D in 1983 was pretty hokey. Lastly, Jaws the Revenge. IMDb says, Chief Brody's widow believes that her family's deliberately, deliberately being targeted by another shark in search of revenge. This time around, Martin has passed away from a heart attack, but Ellen believes it was because he was afraid that there was another shark around. And his other son... Sean, not Mike from Jaws 3, but Sean, uh, was killed by, is killed by another shark who bites off his arm. And Ellen is obviously devastated, and Mike asks her to join his family in the Caribbean where he works. Uh, she reluctantly goes only after he tells her there's never been a shark attack there. But of course, he's wrong. Sharks are apparently intent on wiping out the Brody family. They have a serious grudge at this point, since these are all different sharks. Maybe they're all in the same shark family. 
So Mother Ellen has had enough of this shark BS and she kills the shark herself, um, which is pretty funny. And at the end of this movie, everybody else except for, you know, the first son that got killed survives and, oh, Mario Van Peoples dies, I think. And Ellen ends up with a new love interest, Michael Caine. So that's a brief plot. Now on to the trivia. Most of the trivia is obviously about the first movie. I didn't list these in any particular order, so hopefully they won't be too confusing. The Jaws franchise had a combined budget of $80 million for four films and grossed $798 million. So you can see why they keep making those movies. Jaws was the first movie to make over $100 million. It won three Academy Awards, including Best Sound, Best Film Editing, and Best Original Dramatic Score. Unsurprisingly, the films decreased in quality with each sequel, which is normal of horror franchises and probably pretty much any franchise. Jaws was set to be released at Christmas time, but Spielberg took too long um, to make the film, so they released it in the summer instead, thus creating the first summer blockbuster movie. Before then, only the good movies were released at Christmas time. And now, only the good movies, many of the good movies, are released during the summer because of Jaws. The title of the book and the movie was supplied by Peter Benchley's father, children's author Nathaniel Benchley. Peter Benchley had a cameo in the first movie. He was the reporter uh, wearing the jacket who was talking to the camera with the beach uh, behind him. And uh, he had also in real life worked as a reporter for the Washington Post at one point. The movie was originally rated R, but later cut down the gore scenes to get it down to PG. PG-13 did not exist at that time. The shark in Jaws does not appear until 1 hour 21 minutes into the movie due to the many technical difficulties with the fake shark, which we'll talk about in a minute. The production company, Bad Hat Harry, that produced X-Men and Superman Returns is based on line from the movie. Brody says to a guy who was swimming in the ocean and had an ugly swimming cap on that some bad hat Harry. The original ending of the first movie had the shark dying from blood loss while circling Brody's boat, but Spielberg thought that was not um, exciting enough, so he switched it to the explosion instead. Spielberg said, Jaws was my Vietnam. It was basically naive people against nature, and nature beat us every day. Jaws inspired a theme park ride at Universal Studios in both Florida and Japan. Interestingly, Spielberg was not the first choice for the director. The first was fired after a production meeting in which he continually referred to the shark as a whale. This movie had a massive marketing budget and tons of franchise tie-ins. Uh, I've read several places that Peter Benchley based his book on some Jersey Shore attacks by sharks in 1916 in which I think four or five people were killed. But I've also read in other places that he said he didn't base it on that, so I don't know. Your guess is good as mine. One of the many things that makes the first movie so 
uh, good is the shark point of view. Uh, so that's very effective in the movie. And of course they had to switch to this because the artificial sharks didn't work most of the time. But it turned out to be a very good thing. John Williams' musical score, as I said, won an Academy Award for original uh, musical score. Interestingly, it is simply an alternating patterns of E and F notes, which is meant to imitate a shark attacking someone. The night of the Academy Awards, Williams was working in the orchestra pit as a conductor, so when he won, he had to run out of the pit to the podium to accept. Spielberg originally thought the score by John Williams was a joke. He has later credited the music as being a large part for the movie's success. And I'm going to go ahead and play the uh, theme for you now. This is the theme to Jaws, which everybody knows at this point, I think, on the planet. And it's by John Williams. So that was the theme to Jaws by John Williams. It won the Best Original Score Academy Award. Um, Jaws is the first movie listed on American Film Institute's Top 100 of All Time. Peter Benchley later regretted writing the book because it led to widespread slaughter of many sharks and put them on the endangered list. He spent the rest of his life promoting ocean conservation. Robert Shaw and Richard Dreyfuss apparently did not like each other at all and often argued. Per Spielberg, the prop arm for Chrissy, that's the first girl that drowns um, in the movie, looked too fake, so they buried someone 
in the sand and then just had her arm exposed and used that one and put crabs on um, little crabs on her arm and I think I read that they poured hot coffee on the crabs in order to get them to jump around which is not very nice thing to do to the crabs but uh, it made the shot good according Goteb the line you're gonna need a bigger boat was an ad lib by Schneider there is a documentary called The Making of Jaws from 1995. I did not see that. Robert Shaw had a serious drinking problem. It was hard to get usable footage from him when he was drunk. And one of those scenes was the when he recounts the Indiana, USS Indianapolis where all the sharks killed um, all the his fellow um, sailors. Uh, apparently they couldn't use that the first time around and had to reshoot it. The shark is named Bruce and is named after Spielberg's longtime lawyer. There were actually three Bruces, uh, one that turned his head on the left, one turned his head on the right, one that was had his mouth open in the center, and each cost $250,000. When the first shark was put in the water, it sank to the bottom. About 25% of the film is shot from water level to give the audiences the perspective of treading water. And this is another good great effect besides the shark point of view um, that makes the movie so good. This was the first film to be filmed in Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts since the water was shallow enough for Bruce. Residents were paid $65 each, $64 each to scream and run around the beach as extras. At the end of the movie, Peter Benchley was thrown off the set because he objected to uh, the change in the climax where the shark is blown up. Quint's boat is named the Orca, and in real life, the Orca is the only natural predator of the great white shark. Jaws was the highest grossing movie of all time until Star Wars IV, A New Hope in 1977. It took three days to film the shark scene, with Susie Backline, who played, as I said, first victim Chrissy. So crews attached weights with pulleys to either side of her, and then they would either pull left or pull right, and that's what caused that jerking motion at the beginning, which is very effective. Robert Shaw didn't get any money from this movie because the IRS was garnering his wages. He fled to Canada in between um, shooting days in order to avoid them, and then Shaw died four years after the making of the movie at the age of 51. Mythbusters did a 2003 episode on the plausibility of what a shark could really do to a boat in a diving cage. How much damage he could cause, because in, you know, in the movie he ate half the boat and destroyed the diving cage. Charlton Heston was upset that he didn't get the role of Brody and refused to work with Spielberg after that. The shot, that's a forward tracking shot and then a zoom out. That's when it zooms in on Brody's face when he realizes that the kid Alex Kenter has been eaten by a shark while he's sitting there watching the beach. Um, that shot is often taught in film school. The shark in Finding Nemo is named Bruce as a homage to the movie. Roy Schneider became interested in the project when at a party he overheard Spielberg talking about a fish or a shark jumping out of the water. The shark is listed as number 18 on AFI's list of top 100 
Heroes and Villains. This was the first time Martha's Vineyard had been used as a film location. Due to the mechanic failures of Bruce and shooting at sea, the shot was a grueling one. Steven Spielberg, who was 28 at the time, later said much of the issue was caused by him being a young filmmaker and demanding that they film in the Atlantic Ocean instead of a tank on a soundstage. The shot was supposed to total shoot was supposed to take 55 days and instead took 158 days. The crew began calling the movie Flaws. The producers tried to avoid using big-name actors since they didn't want their presence to detract from the story. Lorraine Gray, uh, who played Ellen Brody, was the wife of Universal head Sid Scheinberg. Several people were offered the role of Matt Hooper, including Dustin Hoffman, John Voight, Jeff Bridges, Jan Michael Vinson, etc. Robert Mitchum, Mitchum turned down the role of Quint, as did Lee Marvin. Robert Duvall was also considered for the role, but they thought he was too young at the time. Gene Hackman was considered for the role at one point, uh, the role of Martin Brody. And Victoria Principal was considered for the role of Ellen Brody. At one point, they were considering making Jaws a TV series, but went with the movie instead. Spielberg estimates there are probably somewhere around 28 scenes in the movie that were not in the book. The producers originally wanted to train a great white shark for the picture and then discovered that it wasn't that easy. I can't imagine anyone thinking they could train a great white shark, but there you go. The tagline, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, is from Jaws 2 and not Jaws 1. Sound effects of lions roaring were added to several shark attack scenes in the original movie and the later sequels. That's pretty funny. And the shark only had four minutes of screen time. Jaws 1, the body count was five people, two sharks, and one dog. Okay, why should you watch these movies? As I said previously, Jaws is considered the prototype for the summer blockbuster film. Before that, the summer was thought to be a slow time for theaters. The music that we played earlier is iconic. And Jaws started a whole new horror subgenre, shark movies, and they're still going strong today. You still you got Sharknado, Megalodon, Forty Seven Meters Down, uh, and a whole bunch of Asylum crazy stuff besides Sharknado, Five Headed Shark, Four Headed Shark. It doesn't seem like people ever tire of shark movies. Um, I would say definitely watch the first movie because it is a masterpiece and it holds up really well even all these years later. You, unless you're a diehard fan, you may want to skip the others. The sharks in the sequels are obviously fake. The camera lingers on them too long. Um, but if you want to see a shark down a helicopter uh, and chomp on a seaplane, you might want to check them out. Um, this series is also interesting in that it really just follows one family. So it's like the Sharks versus one family. So the Sharks versus Martin, the Sharks versus his son, and then the Sharks versus Ellen and the rest of the family. Recipes. You might think that I would go with shark fin soup this week. 
Uh, shark fin soup is a traditional soup uh, found in Chinese cuisine. The shark fins provide texture while the taste comes from other soup ingredients. It's commonly served on special occasions such as weddings or banquets and is considered a luxury item in Japanese cuisine. However, um, many sharks have been hunted almost to extinction because of the shark fin soup. And um, I will include a link to a site called Echo Watch that talks about legislation to ban shark fin uh, shark finning in the U.S. apparently has already been banned, but as of March 2020, selling shark fin soup has not been banned. Uh, the global trade in shark fins has contributed to the crisis among a shark population. Sharks are being killed 30% faster than they can reproduce, and the shark fin trade is one of the main culprits. Up to one quarter of all species of sharks and their relatives are at risk of extinction. Some shark populations have declined by nearly 90% in recent decades. I think the great white shark was also on the endangered list at one point and is now listed as vulnerable. So I am not going to eat any shark fin soup. Um, there are several states apparently that ban it, currently including Hawaii, Washington, Oregon, California, Guam, and the Commonwealth of Nor Northern Mariana have banned the sale and possession of shark fins. Instead, I'm going to talk about something from Martha Vineyards Magazine, which I didn't even know there was a Martha Vineyards Magazine, and that is uh, Scampi with Calamari. I will include the recipe in the show notes, but basically, you know, you make some pasta, and then you put the calamari in there. Um, see if I can get the page to load. Seems to be taking a while. Yep, it was loading a second ago, but doesn't seem to be loading now. So I'll include the recipe for that. I really do like calamari, even though I feel bad eating uh, squid. Um, so I will include the recipe there since we are having technical difficulties. And lastly, where to find us? We're on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please give us a five-star rating if you like what you're hearing. We need all the help we can get. We're also on Twitter at Food and Fright. Contact us by email at foodandfright at gmail.com or check out our website at foodandfrighteningfilmfanatics.podbean.com. Um, that's it for this week. Um, stay safe. Wear your mask when you go out in public. Remember to social distance. And definitely stay out of the water. Thanks. Bye.